Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, everybody. I believe the conference call has started. This is Brandon joining. Do I have John with me? Uh, hi, Brandon. I'm here. Great. And is Stu also? Stu, are you with us? Uh, hello? Hello? Is this the conference Stu? call? This yeah. Is the conference this is call. The conference We're going to start the conference call. This is it. Yeah. If you're you listening, on mute earlier. please put your phone on mute. Yeah, we called in five minutes. Yeah, this is for the conference call, right? This Yes. Yes, the sports conference call. Yeah, is this yeah? Is this the accounting department? Okay. <laughs> the sports, the sports department. conference Hang call up. would be a terrible name for a podcast. Yeah, it's actually a terrible idea in general, and yet we've done it for over two hundred episodes. God bless yeah. us, everyone. We've done it for two hundred and eight of our two hundred and nine episodes. <laughs> but I agree with you, John. It, this is. This is, continues to be the worst idea in all of our lives in general. But you know what? Right. We're here, so we might as well talk a little bit of sports. Uh, Stu, do you have the sound, the soundboard loaded up for the champagne popping? Can you do the the soundboard of the <laughs> the champagne pop, please? Um, I can use. I, I'm kind of like, oh my, sorry. My daughter just walked into Super. the room here, and she has her graduation gown on that she's wearing tomorrow, and I'm a mess now already. So. Uh, Oh boy! Gonna, yeah, oh, and the boy. cats in the cradle in the man in the moon. When you're just... coming home, son, I don't know when. Oh, God, I am just Dick Vermeil every minute of every day now. It's just I. God. <laughs> you need um, Yeah, so we can get into that later if we want to. Let's not, you know, bore them with yeah. yeah. Our remaining audience with my Take emotional it. fragility. Uh, the sound, the champagne. No, I'll say them with Stu sobbing into the microphone. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I do. I do fancy myself the uh, Central Minnesota's Michael Winslow. So let me see if I can uh, do the uh, champagne popping thing here. Okay. <laughs> Ooh. There. That the champagne was is pop, Brandon. brilliant, and and as you know, you probably have an idea of why I asked the champagne to pop is because our sweet adult Georgian son Byron Buxton is above two hundred for batting average. You doubted him, you <laughs> sons of bitches. Two oh one. It's all good. Honestly, though. If we've learned 
if we've learned anything from the first two months of this twin season, it's that if Buxton hits 210 and continues to play defense in center field like he has so far this year, he's the most valuable player on the Twins. I don't care what your fancy <laughs> war stats say. It's just amazing watching him play center field. It's it's like watching Joe Maurer hit in about 2007, which was his great year, 2009, 2007, where I you're like, you look at it and you go, you, you look at it and you go, I just have to, I have to concentrate and remember everything about this because there's nothing like this is going to happen again. And I just have to remember what it was like so that I can tell people in the future so that I can explain to them what it felt like watching this happen. That's what Byron Buxton in center field is. It's glorious. His center field is so good. I'm going to get back to the numbers because, as you know, I'm a robot. His war now is 1.0, which is eighth on the team. So he's 240th in MVP <laughs> voting, which is great. But the most important aspect is he, if, if uh, he's second, there's only one pitcher with a higher war than him on the team at Zerv Santana, which shows exactly how fucking terrible the rest of our pitching staff is. Um. Our third most valuable pitcher is Tyler Duffy. Ugh. Oh, my criminy. Um, Sunday's game, for those of us who can remember back that far, um, uh, the Twins were actually on their way to winning that game. Um, And then uh, Buxton dove for a ball and sliced his finger on Eddie Rosario's cleat. And since that um, play happened, I believe the Twins have given up 45 runs in four games. Some or three games or something, just an insane amount of runs, like just an illegal. The best part of is runs. you're not exaggerating. No, I'm that's not. No, you're not. Number. I was gonna say that's. <laughs> I might be shortchanging. Might be low. It, you might have missed a couple. What was the fu- the final today? Was se- they had 17 runs today? I think. I mean, 17 I, today, oh. Wednesday. Yes, 17 yeah. runs. And the, and we had to. I mean, we've already used uh, uh, Jimenez, who is definitely on our team. As a backup catcher, ask the relief pitcher again today. I've, I've been told by sources. Yeah. Our bullpen is so bad that our backup catcher has pitched in multiple games in the first two months of the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, as bad as these last three games have been, um, you know, we could have probably, like, you know, we, we got past, uh, was it the Boston home series where they just got pasted on Saturday and Sunday, like gave up. Multiple, you know, double-digit run losses. Right. Um, but you know, they got over it, recovered, and actually had a, a three-game lead going after a Saturday's game. Um, they win that game on Sunday. Just you know, the fates. You know, he doesn't die for the ball, or Eddie Rosario gets his dumb foot out of the dumb fucking way. And you know, because <laughs> I believe th- there were like three outfield errors in that inning that just went sideways. Like we had everybody who has ever been in the Twins bullpen pitched in the eighth inning of Sunday's game. I think, uh, or was it, it could have been Monday. I'm sorry, it was Monday's game. Or was it Sunday? I'm just, God, I can't remember what my days were. It doesn't matter. It was they Monday. Uh, Irv, Irv pitched on Monday. Okay. Yeah, and it just, it, uh, God damn it. It was so positive. I was so positive. You've heard me on the uh, Outstate Minnesota podcast with uh, Josh Fiedler. I was just happy. And now... Can I, it's your that fault. Point, can I just... Can I just break in for a second and and ask you guys why we don't just let Josh do this podcast? I was listening <laughs> to the Josh and Stu episode earlier tonight. It was amazing. 
Josh is great at this. Why don't we just quit what we're doing and have Josh do the podcast? That seems like a way better idea than us. Because doing it's that. a real, it's a, it's a giant pain in the ass to shove the microphone across the table to him when it's his turn to talk and then for him to <laughs> shove it back to me when it's my turn to talk. I'll it's tell, a challenge. I'll tell you what, I'd be, I'd be happy to, I'd, I'd be happy to mail you guys two of my crappy microphones. You can have them. Go ahead and have them. As long as Josh does more podcasts. That's uh, all I'm looking yeah. for here. No, I was I, I was happy with how that John, turned out. He did a great job. Yes, he's fantastic. But John, if we stopped podcasting, where would you go to get all of your angry screaming and yelling, borderline uh, illegal complaints off your chest? What would be your outlet at that point? That's true. Yeah, go That's for football. True. This is start I for three more months. Probably. Yet. Yeah, just imagine the I, rage. I Your wife would divorce you would have to deal with that. Yeah, my God. If I didn't have the podcast, <laughs> she would just leave. You know what? You need yes. this outlet. And I mean, I feel safe to say that we're so doing this gonna... for us. Yeah, <laughs> John's original point. Yeah. Byron Buxton is really, really good at defense, and uh, as many games as the relief, as the bullpen has lost for them, he's probably. You know, bailed him out of at least two or three other ones, and God help us if uh, well, they 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 lost 103 games last year for a reason, and well, I just it's it's kind of kind of dark right now. It's kind of dark. I just looked up some other numbers as I'm wont to do. The Twins are currently the fourth worst in run differential in the American League. Yet they're still in first place. That's not really? good. Really? Oh, my. Ugh. Are the teams that are worse than them all AL Central teams? Kansas City's no, got to be worse. the only team worse than them in the AL Central is Kansas City. Yep. And yep. then I don't remember the other. I think that's Oakland or something. I mean, you don't come here for stats. But it's a really, really concerning thing to have the first place team, like, fourth place in terms of run differential. I know it doesn't really matter. But if it all evens out, we're probably in some trouble. We're probably due for a couple close losses at this point, I guess. Right. But it's June, and we're going to be in first place in June, even if it's just for a few hours. That's pretty cool. That's two months. Yeah. It's great. They got us through two months. That's a lot better than last year. They started out 0-40 last year, so it's it's all better this year. And they're very young, too. I think that's, to me, even if they do collapse... Which is would be expected with. Which they will. I, I just realized that the twins designated for assignment a thing called Jason Wheeler, which I I can't believe that's an actual human being. That was was that was, they, was he on the Minnesota Twins? Um, I know for Doesn't a fact that he played for Saint, he played for the Saint Cloud minor league team like three or four years ago. That's that's an actual okay, sportive okay. and real can, fact. Wow! Can you designate Yikes. players from other teams for assignment? Because I think that might be. Yeah, what it may have been like a mix-up. Yeah, I think he. I think the Twins were probably just reporting on a Royals transaction, just because people are interested <laughs> in the AL Central, and that's nice of them. So the collapse seems Honestly, like very possible. Well, may say you probable. look at their bullpen; it's terrible. As uh-huh. as Josh and Stu said on their version of the podcast, the starting rotation is awful. Yeah. Only outfield defense only goes so far. They're, they're doing what they can, but I don't see yeah. how you can take this pitching staff and make it a yeah. competitor. 
Yeah, but I mean, Buxton is great, but he can't catch home runs that are in the second deck. I mean, he's really good, but uh, yep. Yeah, I think Houston had like five or six more dingers today, so it's uh, it's just impossible. Yeah, no. Um, They also optioned uh, Ryan Presley after today's game. That was one game too late. Pretty much, yeah. And uh, yeah. Also, I am uh, via uh, Jason Stark. uh, Jimenez is the first position player to pitch three times in one year since John's close personal friend David McCarty. Ooh. The kicker to that is he did it in 2004 for the Red Sox, and, of course, the Red Sox won the World Series that year. So, Ugh. so Dave, Dave McCarty has a ring, huh? <laughs> yep, big Dave McCarty. No justice. No justice in the world. What, when was David McCarty a that, giant disappointment? What years were those, John? You, you. Uh, those are the yeah. late night, the 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 dark, dark, uh, late nineties Minnesota Twins, the Butch Husky era. Twins. I think it was. I think oh. it was like the nineteen ninety three era, wasn't it? That's yeah. That sounds right, John. Or am I thinking of Paul Sorrento? <laughs> That's no, just Paul Sorrento, I right think, there. was <laughs> I think Sorrento was after McCarty, and I will not be looking that up. I will look yeah. up Dave McCarty. He's after Chip Hale he, for sure. McCarty was ninety-four. Geez, he was only on the team for two and a half seasons. Is that right? Really? He came up okay, so this is a little weird to me. He came up as a twenty three year old rookie, was horseshit. 542 OPS. Next year, he got 150 at bats, had a 700 OPS, so he kind of sucked. And then the next year, he got traded immediately to San Francisco. I, th- I feel like David McCarty was in my life for about six seasons. Right. And he was not. I, I only feel it. that way because Ken Herbeck was my favorite player. And so my brother probably told me every day that they should trade Kent Herbeck so David McCarty could play more, just yeah, to, just to make me angry. That is, oh yeah, classic Dave, the Dave Marthaler gaslight right there. That's great. I would I would say I would say of all of the punches, all of the times I've punched my brother in my whole entire life, David McCarty was probably responsible for seventy percent of them. God, he really pays that anger forward, doesn't he? He doesn't like to yeah, just be angry himself. He has to make sure everyone else is angry, too. <laughs> angry Dave. <laughs> well, I angry just want Dave, to... Angry Dave, the nicest person ever. Angry Dave, the nicest. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Exactly mm-hmm. right. Well, I hope the future is not as bleak as it sort of seems right now. And I also think we need to keep remembering throughout the summer that they're one of the youngest teams in the league. Maybe the youngest. I can't remember exactly. I thought I saw that somewhere, that they're that they're pretty young. So the future should be okay no matter what. And I wonder what the – it'll be interesting that over the next couple of months if they can hold on what the trade deadline will actually look like for us. But I suppose we will well, – it's May 31st right now. The trade deadline is the end of July. We'll most likely record another podcast between now and then. Maybe. Most likely. Two months. Most likely. Yeah. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. 
like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I have a little bit of um, pre-rage I'd like to discuss with you guys. Are you guys open to hear right. about my pre-rage? I love getting pre-furious. Yep. I am absolutely... I am getting real pre-furious at some of these rumors and innuendo out there that our Minnesota Twins are not going to be taking Hunter Green with the number one pick in the draft. <laughs> Have you heard these reports? Because I am pre-angry. Yeah. I am pre angry. I am pre-through the roof at this. <sighs> God. I mean... Hunter last, Green is the answer. The last time... I don't know. The going. last time the Sportive did a podcast... Stu and Josh discussed about how great the twins were and they had to draft for they had to draft for now rather than the future. And that was like two that's days ago. True. So maybe that's still that true. That is true. Was, uh, so soon. Needless to say, the events of the last four days would cause anybody to reassess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I live for those day, the innocent days of May twenty eighth. And now we're in the darkness that is May thirty first. Off, <laughs> off a solid five to three victory. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's coming up roses, and uh, they were, yeah, they were three games up after that uh, game, and uh, thinking, well, maybe they need to just add the most major league ready pitcher they can get their hands on in this draft, and uh, well, and then darkness guys, descended upon the dude, and then darkness descended upon the dude, um, <laughs> and maybe you wonder if there's just no way that's even a thing that's a realistic, tenable option. That they're just going to have to get the best prospect and try to get the pitching fixed in other ways, and then have you know maybe that Hunter Green card to play five years down the line. So I don't know. I I I do want to say that it, it always <clears throat> it always flummoxes me flummoxes me around draft time that you get these guys, you get the reports and. The, you find about about this high school right hander, and they report every time what is clearly a fake radar gun reading. Like this guy was clocked throwing 122 miles an hour. He throws a 114 <laughs> mile an hour slider. He's got all the tools. Everyone thinks he might be a camp Mitch pitching prospect, and somebody drafts him and they send him to rookie ball, and it's like, okay, he throws he throws ninety six. That's good. I'm glad he throws ninety six miles an hour. But whoever had the radar gun, I think it was set on kilometers. I think that was a metric radar <laughs> gun he used. Cause that's it was not one real. of those. Bo- it's one of those baseballs you buy at Dick's where the the reading is on the actual baseball, like it's one of those. 
Yeah, exactly. Reads it on the ball. It's yeah. Yeah, I don't think any I well, never believe I don't trust in any of the uh the radar guns from anything beyond like the major leagues at this point. So who knows? But it's like, the answer oh, still is Hunter, Hunter Green. Green's been clocked at a hundred and two miles an hour. No, he hasn't. He okay, well, that's actually right. Miles an hour. He's seventeen years. No, old. No, no, no. The He's Hunter Green thing is old. right. Everybody he does else not throw one hundred and two. Yeah, no, totally accurate. He probably throws harder than that. That was earlier, and he's only—I think he's like eleven years old. And he's a—he's a genius. He's like a Doogie Hauser type. So he, everybody else totally made up. Hunter Green—that's my guy. I am fucking <laughs> furious because he's going to go like sixth or something. Uh, uh. I don't. There's a there's a pitcher that's I think he's from I don't know let's just say Vanderbilt for fun maybe Wake Forest or something who's supposed uh, to be a top yeah. ten pick that they Wake like Forest. Wake Forest. Wake Forest. I thought yeah. there was one for Vandy not, and one. No, it's Vandy. It's I mean, you know what? I'm, isn't uh, our our buddy Kyle Gibson from Wake Forest or is he from Vanderbilt? Friend Kyle of the sport. Gibson went to. I don't know. Where, Levi Michael went to North Carolina, so probably don't. That's all we know. <laughs> we do know where Levi Michael went. That piece of shit. <laughs> Levi Michael oh, doesn't God. even know where Levi Michael went to college. <laughs> well, it's fifteen years ago. I graduated with him, so it, it was a while ago. People tend to forget. Oh God! So, damn it. Okay, I, so there's that guy, but I he's remember, not really known as that. If I remember right, ace, there's a right-hander so. from Vandy and a left-hander from somewhere else in the ACC. Wake Forest, probably. That probably neither of those guys are ace pick? potential. No, God damn it! <laughs> there's also the Louisville kid, right? Who's a pitcher and a hitter, Brendan yeah. McKay. Um, maybe that's who I'm thinking of. Is a left-hander. I think he's a left-hander. And then now there's a shortstop out of California, a big toolsy shortstop who can hit. Eh, I'd take a shortstop. That's fine. But the answer is Hunter big, Green. And I'm... If, if he's if he's a big toolsy guy, he will not play shortstop in the major leagues. I'll tell you right now, if he's big and toolsy, that means he's the best athlete, so he plays shortstop in high school or junior college or wherever he is right now. But he'll get to the major leagues, and oh, magically he's a left fielder. He's a third baseman. He's a first baseman. That's just the way these things work. It's like Miguel Sano yeah, they, when they signed him. He was like, they were like, "Well, he's a shortstop." No, no, he's not. I saw a picture, and he's not going to play shortstop really anywhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They said that Justin Upton was a similar guy, so. He did not stick at shortstop, but you know A Rod did, no, so I mean, maybe he's the next A Rod. Yeah, is that possible? So there's there's one, right? One out of every sixty years it happens. I don't know. I just wanted to let you know I'm right. furious about this. Very upset. That's good. I'm I'm glad that we can get furious about the baseball draft, which is better <laughs> because we won't know for five or maybe ten years whether we were right to be furious or not. We just found out well, Kyle Gibson year... was a bad pick. <laughs> we just <Yep>. finally found out. <laughs> and Kyle Gibson was picked are... like when I was in high school. Yeah, you know. And we actually, beyond that, we don't even know if Alex Wimmers was a bad was like, pick because he's just one getting year was called Adam up Johnson, today. And then the next year was Kyle Gibson. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Jesus. Oh, I have a lot of years to rage. So 
A lot of life. I'm glad we got some pre-rage out here. Feels good. Mm -hmm. Feels Mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. Feels great. Any other ball updates from you two? Yeah. Um, John? Yes? Um, How'd my purds do tonight? Um, They're they're getting killed because the NHL hates them, Stu. Uh, is it? Are they calling like those shitty penalties again, like they did on the first game? Probably. I mean, okay. you you asked you asked me why the NHL hates your Predators, and there's a very simple reason for that. It's because when it comes to the, how the NHL thinks about their teams and their fan base, on the one mm-hmm. hand, you have Canada, and the NHL treats those people like dogs. Because they have no place else to go. What are they going to do? They're not going to take up watching something else. They're going to watch hockey. They can do whatever they want to Canada. They can make them miserable. They move all their teams to cities that shouldn't have hockey teams. (laughs) And everyone's fine with it because they're Canadians and they have nowhere else to turn. It's like Americans in football or English people in soccer. They're just not going to turn away. Canadians are fine. The like the Maple Leafs have been terrible since Jesus was in the third grade. It doesn't matter because those fans will always keep coming back. It's fine. That's the one hand. On the other hand, when it comes to the American operations, you got Gary Bettman and his cronies sitting in New York, and you got everybody else involved with marketing the game and TV networks that are all up there in the eastern part of the country. Basically, as far as the NHL is concerned, if you can't get there on the Acela Express, the the train that goes from Boston to Washington, D.C., it doesn't really exist. They've heard rumors of teams like in California, and they've been to Los Angeles, so obviously that must be good. But other than that, they couldn't really give a crap less. And so when it comes down to Pittsburgh versus Nashville... You got Pittsburgh, which is kind of a dynasty at this point. You can sell games between Pittsburgh and Philadelphia on the Acela, Pittsburgh and Washington, Pittsburgh and New York, Pittsburgh and Boston. These are all very sellable. And if you think I'm just being cynical, go down the list of games that are on NBC every year, and every one of them involves Pittsburgh and one of those four teams, or it might involve Chicago and one of those four teams, but that's what they show on television. So that's why the NHL you, hates your purds, and I feel bad for you. You're saying there's some sort I of feel bad for uh, you. conspiracy. John, are you saying there's some sort of conspiracy between the the television producers to get the games on their station that will get the highest ratings? Uh, I'm not that's saying there's a conspiracy, news. but I am saying that the NHL. That the NHL hates Nashville. Ah, right, right. Not because of ratings or fan base, like size or anything. No, I just generally uh, hate Nashville. Gary Bettman is just a terrible person. Gary Bettman is an awful, awful person. I agree with that. I do agree with that. He's a, well, is he bad or just stupid? Like, is he, let's get back to our, what is it, lazy, incompetent, evil? Lazy, stupid. Right. What was our lazy, incompetent, and evil? Uh, the lie. It's it's hard because we always had trouble because lazy and incompetent always seemed like they were too close together. Yeah, but I'll true. try. That's I true. think he, I think he is thirty percent lazy, 
Um, well, I, I think what we always did was we allocated sort of 100 points between these three. And mm-hmm. Incompetent mm-hmm. has to rank much, much higher than that. Incompetent has like to it. get the lion's share of those points. So <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say he is 75% incompetent. And oh, I'm going to say 10% lazy, 15% evil. <laughs> that's that's more evil than I was expecting. I thought he was just. I, w- I thought you were going to go with 100% dumbass. Like he tries hard. He's he's trying shit. He's just the dumbest person in the world. So that's that's good. I'm glad well, I asked the question. He, I learned something today. He's extremely incompetent and somewhat evil. And I think <laughs> that amount of incompetence and evil takes some work. I feel like he probably yeah. Puts in you don't long, just fall out of bed like this. Days at the office. You got to put in the. You know, like everybody yeah, you has, punch in, punch out. Everybody who has the coworker. You have the coworker who always like stays until eight thirty, and somehow also still can't get anything done, and everything they get done is wrong. That's Gary yeah. Bettman. My God, is he? And is he even remotely on the hot seat? What's the? What do people think about? No. I mean, why is any commissioner on the hot seat? You're right. If Goodell's not well, but but the NFL is just printing money at this point. I don't know. I, is the NHL doing? I mean, they must be doing pretty well. I mean, all sports are doing, I think, pretty well at this point. So, is it just it's not that much of a disaster? So, what the hell? Why? Why fire? Gary him? Is Bettman that kind of the? Will, if the collective NHL owners, and by collective I mean basically Jeremy Jacobs in Boston and whichever other people he can get to join his evil schemes. If those people said, all right, Gary, next year, instead of being the commissioner, you're going to still have all your job duties, but you're going to get on that train that I mentioned, the Excel Express, and ride that naked up and down the coast all year, he would absolutely do it. He's completely enthralled to what they want. Every commissioner in sports is completely enthralled to what the collected owners want to do. That's the way commissioners work. Of course the last one in any sport that had any interest in doing the right thing for the sport was probably Bart Giamatti. And then he died unexpectedly, and Bud Selig, who was a terrible person, became the baseball commissioner, and it's all been over since then. What about my guy, Adam Uh, Silver? What about your guy, Adam Silver? I love him, and I just wanted to tell you that. (laughs) Why (laughs) Why do you love Adam Silver? (laughs) Of all the people to love. Uh, well, he seems like he's a good commissioner. Please don't ask for examples. I just think that he is a good commissioner. <laughs> he is tall. He is skinny. He's bald. He's got the big thing. I think he is... The Wolves got the first pick under his watch. That's good. That's a big thing. Uh, I think that he's doing his best to ha- let teams sign their players that they drafted try to institute rules which again just basically means allowing that team to give players more money so of course the players are going to go for that but that's good there was the whole north carolina political kerfuffle that i thought he handled well of course i'm a i'm a weirdo lefty communist so that might explain why i like that ruling but that was cool i thought it was handled well uh he lets his players have personalities 
That's it. I'm I'm completely grasping at straws, but he seems nice and cool. So he I like seems him. to he, mm-hmm. he he benefits from not being as actively evil or faceless or incompetent as the other three commissioners. Huge, so huge benefit is just not being as dumb as the other guys. You're you're giving him major credit for a system in which one of the finals representatives has won all of its playoff games and the other one has won all but one of its playoff games, which is exactly the outcome that literally every basketball fan predicted before the season started. And this is uh, to his credit? No, Um, I didn't mention that in his accolades. I didn't mention it once, John. You're hearing things. You said you gave him credit for a system in which people could pay their players, but he also then deserves blame for a system in which the best team in the league can sign the third best player in the league and everybody else just has to eat it. John, John, John. That was a loophole put in place by David Stern. That was a one-time thing that will never happen again. Who you loved. You daft motherfucker. You loved that so much. No, I liked him. He was... He was fine. David Stern was totally fine. He had personality. He made the game a lot bigger. Could it could have just completely? He's good. David Stern was fine. Adam Silver is better. I love him, and I'm not going to blame this these playoffs and on him. That's that's unfair, and we are he, all about fairness also, on this podcast, my good sir. He also has allowed <laughs> one of the league's marquee franchises in Philadelphia to consistently treat its fans like dirt for years. And All right, I'm muting stand you. by while you're muted. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brandon, how's how's your uh, body feel now? <laughs> when last we spoke, your John, your just... your, uh, your physical um, makeup was there was a breakdown going on. Yes, yes. John, are you? Has you that really breakdown? Hang up, John, did oh, you? Sorry. What's that? Oh, okay. You didn't really hang up, John. <laughs> You're still here, right? Yeah. I should have okay, just good. hung up. That's enough. I talked to Brandon enough about the 76ers for one day. I'm going to bed. We'll get into my we'll get into my old how old I am during dad life. But John, I wanted to ask you about the current Stanley Cup playoffs. Um where will where do you expect this to rank in terms of historical greatness? Is this a amazing cup or is this an average or is this we're gonna we're gonna forget it by next week where are we at right now with with the with the cup it it feels to me a little bit like um in about i can't even remember the year about 1996 about 1996 or so the red wings played the panthers in the stanley cup and oh yeah it was amazing because florida Florida had never won anything before or since, and Detroit was Detroit was this juggernaut, and everyone thought, well, maybe maybe Florida can give them a run for their money. And I think Detroit won, swept them in four games, and everybody's since forgotten, except apparently for me, that Florida was ever in the Stanley Cup Finals, and it's only really remembered for Detroit. And I think what's going to happen with this Stanley Cup is that it'll only be remembered for Pittsburgh winning it. And... Being like, oh, this is Pittsburgh's third championship in six years or whatever it is. And it was a competition between them and Chicago. So are they considered a dynasty at this point? How close are they to be considered that? Are they just absolutely dominant? 
John. 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 Huh. I guess that was pretty upsetting to him. I, I don't know. I guess we touched, that's, we touched uh, the nerves. His, his silence is his answer. Wow. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I feel like every three or four podcasts, somebody mentions that mid-90s Florida Panthers team, and John's just, I got to go, and he's out. He's, I got to go. I can't talk about this. I can't talk yeah, about Sunbelt Yeah, it's sort of like a it's weird. Just, it, it's too much. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a sports PTSD or something. It's just he's never going to be able to to get over it, which is a real... Which is a real shame. So, so uh, I suggest this: uh, screw John. Let's start talking mm-hmm. about things that are more interesting than the NHL. How does that sound to you? Sounds good. How's your body, Brandon? Stu, not great. My body is my body's bad. My arm hurts almost all the time. <laughs> Uh, I have, I talked about this in the podcast earlier, but I'm the old man now in my, in my town ball baseball league and I'm doing whatever I can to hang on. There's always a, in every baseball movie or show, the cliched, like old, old pitcher, you know, who's like scuffing baseballs and, and doing whatever he can. There's a, the reason that that is a cliched stereotypical character is that is exactly what happens in real life. And I have now become him. So I take, uh, I take, uh, a leave before I pitch and then I put icy hot all over my body. Just icy hot as much as like a half a tube of icy hot, uh, before I pitch. So to numb me up real good. And then I put on some special <laughs> tape on my arm, like arm tape. Yeah. And then I oh, yeah. uh, have to rub down baseballs. And then I have to have the t- tacky stuff from my fingers. Uh, and then I have to throw from every different arm angle. I go like sideways sometimes and over the top other times just to screw people up. I have to quick pitch now. Like I do have to do quick pitches, which is basically cheating. Uh, I have a good mm-hmm. pickoff move. Stu, this is it's the it's it's humiliating. Is what it is. This is what I have you to do. You sound like basically. <clears throat> it's like if Howard Hughes had to like pitch against Chaska. You know, just he's got urine in <laughs> jars and his fingernails are growing out. And it's that's basically what you're trying to do right now. You're an eccentric billionaire, but it's for town baseball. <laughs> hey man, if I can get through the uh, inning, I will definitely bring my jars you know. of urine. On the mouth. <laughs> but you were you you were able to make your previously scheduled starts since last we spoke. Yes, I have started three games now this summer, and I'm three for three on good starts. So it's working, but it's it's very humbling. Good. good. I'm glad. Stu, I'm glad you haven't given up the ghost yet. Speaking of getting old, Stu, your daughter yeah. is graduating high school. Holy Christ. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tomorrow night, uh, she's actually officially done. Just got to get to the ceremony now, and um, okay. that's uh, okay. that's where the situation stands. I think John's back, or Clarence is here. One of the two. Uh, unfortunately, it's just me coming back. Uh, the conference room got disconnected. Sorry, guys. That's okay. sorry. We're still on the conference call, John. This is still the sports conference call. Are you calling in for uh, <laughs> anger management, anonymous? Or oh, I. <laughs> I'm here for the next meeting. 
Yeah. Well, John, I, uh, I'm looking forward to somehow editing all this audio together at some point. So we are now talking about uh, Stu and uh, how old he is because his kid is graduating high school, which is wild. Right. So wild. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. Um, uh-huh. I haven't cried yet. I'm doing really good about not crying. Um but it's, yeah, tomorrow's going to be uh, an emotional journey for uh, everyone's internet friends, too. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to wrap your head around. Um, for example, um, like, I live sort of by, uh, you're uh, both familiar, I believe, with the Culver's chains of fast casual restaurants. Right, I am. Yeah, I am the aware. custard. Yes, and, yeah. Um, they built one uh, not too far from our house, like walking distance almost, um, right off of Highway Ten in Saint Cloud, um, and like it was right uh, by the elementary school that both Cillian Piper went to. So I think it got built about fourth or fifth grade, and just like you know, on the last day of school, once it let out, I would always take them there to. Uh, there for like you know some custard or some french fries or something you know something healthy to get them all fattened up and diabetic yeah. you know before they're 25 um it's the parents and job did the same yeah. yeah that's what the that's what the parents are supposed to do um so i did that today and uh you know i saw pictures on my phone of when i did it the first time when would i think it would have been silly would have been fifth grade and Piper was kindergarten or something like that. And, uh, yeah. Uh, John, if you want to start singing cats in the cradle again here, you're more than welcome to, because yeah, that one, uh, no, everything, it's just, you know, you're not really expecting it. And then a house falls on you. It's basically just, you know, houses, (laughs) houses are just dropping on you left and right. Uh, What's happening right now is that I'm looking at a picture of my daughter who's nine months old and I'm tearing up. Yeah. And I can only imagine it gets worse from here. Yeah, it's 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 going to happen so much so much sooner than you think. And I know you're in the absolute meat Still grinder is. right now with like, you know, diapers and sleeping and all that shit, but it goes so fucking fast. <laughs> oh, it just goes so fast. I'll tell you just to break in, I'll tell you what happened this week is that she's learned to stand up in her crib but can't figure out how to lay back down. So that's real fun. <laughs> wow, that is jeez. <laughs> that's a good age. So, Stu, yeah. is the I know that I know that this is a tough thing to go through as a parent or I don't know, I'm guessing. Um is it is it bittersweet? Is it mixed with like I also love this age of of having kids that are a little more grown yes. up and you can have fun conversations and go do fun things with them. Cause I don't get that a lot from parents at going through the stage you're going through. It sounds like it's, mm-hmm. it sounds like it's a very sad time, but I also, maybe it's just one of those things where you don't talk about it, but is it cool too? Is it also cool to be a, yeah. a dad of kids? It, this it's age? Abs- yes, it's absolutely cool. Cause I get to go out. I get to go do stuff. I get to see my friends. <sighs> Uh, we get to go to ball yeah, games. I've... We get to go to concerts. We don't have to get babysitters. We don't spend money on babysitting anymore. We don't spend God, money on daycare. So cool. We don't spend money on formula. We don't spend money on diapers. 
Um, we spend it on paying off the college loans we're already taking out. I mean, but it's still, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, but it's, you know, it's different. And it's, and I sleep at night. It's, I, I, I have time to like read a book, which I don't because I'm always on Twitter, but I could if I wanted to. And that's <laughs> the important you, thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I it's, I, no, I, 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 I love this. I, I, I miss the hell out of, um, having the kids around at the young age, but I mean, just as a human being, um, it, this is a nice little uh, consolation prize to be sending your kids out into the world is that you sort of get a little chunk of your life back that you sacrificed to try to be as good a parent as you could. You get to have when you will stuff like this. John, go ahead. I will say there's one thing. One thing I'm envious of you, Stu, is that you had kids relatively young, which I'm sure was its own nightmare at the time. Oh, yeah. But you still like you're still in your in the prime of life at this point. Whereas Brandon and I, when our kids are grown up in the age of your kids, will be a hundred years old apiece. Oh, so um, you missed it, but you missed it because you were uh, offline. But Brandon is already broken. He is entirely yep. <laughs> shattered. Yes, it's over. He's covered. For me. He's covered in. He's covered in liniment right now. He's... <laughs> Ben Gay everywhere. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very true. Stu, if you can look yeah, back I... on the ages of your kids and you can try to strip nostalgia out of it, what ages can you look back on and be like, that was a pretty fun, you know, I miss that age. What is I think it's probably different for everybody because some people, moms in particular, at least the ones that I know, are like, oh, I missed when they were little tiny babies. Whereas me as a dad, I'm like, I do not miss... For one second, <laughs> anything before they were two I years old, no I did not like anything about anything about that phase for them, for me, for anybody. I do not miss that whatsoever. But for you, when do you look back on it? And again, trying to take just the general old nostalgia mortality part out of it. But what ages do you look back on? And like, that was fun. That was cool. Uh, roughly kindergarten through fourth or fifth grade. Okay. I think uh, they were, you know, they're figuring things out. They're not entirely helpless. Um, They're still just adorable as all hell. Um, Just uh, that's really, I thought that was just, you know, you you want them to become their own people. But, yeah, if I could have a little bit of chunk of that time left with Celia before she went off, that would be pretty cool. Because, yeah, that's just, you know, them, like, figuring out how the world works which is not necessarily great <laughs> given uh there's a racist game show host as president right now but i'm um, figuring out the other parts of the world that are just you know just learning things and becoming you know they're seeing like flashes of what their personality is going to be that's uh that's pretty rewarding and um i i i do miss that part that would be i i am nostalgic for that part um I can, if you want me to like grab an acoustic guitar while I talk about this, I probably, I don't know how to play, but I think, I think it would come to me. I'd get a good, like, you know, G chord going or something, maybe an open A tuning, and it would uh, be like the, 
Yeah, I feel like just you like may have just tapped into some together. perfect wavelength. You could have like you could I've just pick up the guitar the in this moment. I've been to the mountain. I don't, I just forgot the lyrics to Closer to Fine. That was that's Closer you know, I am to Fine. Yeah. I'm to Fine. All I know is Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's Life is better every year. Is that still true for you, Stu? Uh yeah. I I think so. I I uh, boy. Yeah, I th- I think yes, I would I can say that as a yes. Good. Cool. That's good to hear. But it's 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 it's, it's I I'm hedging it because you just, you know, future's uncertain for everyone, but uh I think it's I think we're good. I think it's good. Yeah. And your kid is going um, out state to college, so that'll be a fun, yep. a fun experience yeah, for you next year yep. to to go check that out and yeah. and live that and yeah, kind of see I, that life I mean, again through someone's eyes. So that'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Celia is super independent. I'm not worried about that aspect. I'm more worried about us. And you know, Piper's going to miss her older sister too. Um, I think Celia is going to be fine. I'm not. You know, she got to, oh, they did the, they did the, uh, senior, you know, like, you know, the most or the best, uh, you know, whatever for like, you senior know, senior superlatives. Yeah. Senior superlatives type of thing. She got life of the party, which was, uh, <laughs> I was like, yeah, that, that sounds about right. So, um, but you know, I, I was uh, like, well, that's, you know. I would have preferred salutarian, but life of the party is actually pretty good because that means people <laughs> liked her. So, uh, yeah. So, so that was and so honestly, yeah, like the for the handle it, so. for the future, I'd probably bet on both of those people equally to have a successful, happy life. Yeah, exactly. So it's uh, yeah. Uh, God, guys, it's it's. It's going to be a weird 24 hours here. I'm not I'm not going to lie to you. It's going to be weird. I'm going mm-hmm. to go basically mm-hmm. from, um, like, during the day, I'm going to spend uh, tomorrow with uh, some of John's friends, and then I'm going to go see my oldest daughter graduate from high school, which is just weird. Why are you hanging out with John's so, friends? Um, we're... Uh, Having some members of um, the footy team, uh, Minnesota United, the UFCs, uh-huh. um, uh-huh. they're coming out to our brewery to. Uh, we're starting to can the beer that we that we make for them, and oh, uh, cool. we're gonna have cool. them come out to like you know, have them show them the beer, have them you know, some photo ops, some beer canning, some tasting stuff like that. So, so the the Loons Surly partnership still going strong. Yeah, very very strong. So, I know John's skeptical, that's but that's okay. I just uh, he's he's. I know John's always said that that's he doesn't nature. really think beer and soccer go together. But <laughs> no, he, he's he's <laughs> yeah, he's bearish I, on both. He sees no future in beer and soccer. <laughs> I'll tell you, I've gone to a lot of soccer games, guys, and I've never seen anyone drink a beer at any of them. No, it, he thinks they're both <laughs> a fad. <laughs> it's never happened. Uh, nope. Not for me. Sorry, I, I'm not a fan of either one of those. Well, that's good. 
Stu, you can you can bite your tongue for this section, but John, did you see that the surly upstairs thing is going away? The the nice the I fine did, dining I was, section. I was just starting to get my head around like uh, this is a thing that I could do. It's not just because it's cool and people talk about how great it is doesn't automatically disqualify me from doing it, which is usually mm-hmm. what I think. Like when people talk on Twitter about, oh, this restaurant was so amazing. I They've never had better food and they take a picture of their plate. And it's one of those restaurants where there's uh, quantity is not one of the things they're rating the food on. Every time I see right. one of those, whether it's Spoon and Stable, say, or Bachelor Farmer, these places, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I probably will never get to go there because I'm not cool enough to do that sort of thing. But having gone to Surly a number of times with Stu, I was... I'm starting to feel like, all right, I might, I might be able to actually make this work. I've been here. I've eaten their food downstairs, which is amazing. Maybe mm-hmm. I can go there. And then I saw it was closing, and I thought, well, it wasn't meant to be. It wasn't meant to be for me. That's fine. I understand it. And the article I saw indicated they were keeping the menu downstairs the same, so I'm, I'm fine. Yeah, yeah. There would, be, there would be a riot if the hog frites went away. So that, that's, uh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I would be at that. <laughs> when you say riot, what you mean is me just running through there, <laughs> smashing <laughs> one man riot. People. Yes, yeah, one man riot. Dave would be home, standing up in his crib, but not knowing how to go back down. That would be. You know. <laughs> sorry, a Marth riot. Sorry. Oh shit! I'm here so comes the Marth sorry, riot. <laughs> so sorry, Dave. Well, it is. It, it, it is unfortunate. Any of this. Yeah, but of of the bad news. The, the best possible news is the hope for more space for the menu that we know and love so much. So not great, but if that ends up being what happens, um, mm-hmm. I would just say we as the official unsanctioned podcast of Surly Brewing, as everybody knows, of course, um, that would steal. That would be a very nice consolation prize because as far as I know, Stu, right. correct me if I'm wrong, but... There are still are roughly is it like six or seven million people that come through a day, and the hour <laughs> the wait is like a yeah, day and a half. Uh, yeah, um, beer hall is going very very strong. So there's that the, we're not going anywhere at all. Yeah. So so that's I'm, uh, mm-hmm. I'm guessing I'm guessing what's going to happen to the upstairs space is that it will be converted into at least in part, a recording studio for our podcast, right? I mean, maybe not the whole thing. I don't think we don't exactly attract a live audience or anything, so it's not like you need to build us a Mm -hmm. studio Mm -hmm. necessarily, but a sort of a booth, right? I I assume an enclosed booth with, like, carpet around it. Yeah. We really really are taking suggestions for what to do with that space, and I will probably not forward that one on, but maybe I can... (laughs) <laughs> um, get super drunk around Omar sometime and say hey and then yeah. we'll see then we'll go from there yeah, you know I a lot of retailers these things work like big box retailers for example I don't know Best Buy, Target, JCPenney yeah, uh, yeah. for example they uh, they look at their square footage and try to map out how much dollar per square foot they can get depending on the, the vendor or if it's an exclusive brand to them, et cetera. That's really how they map out their stores. They don't want to have too much open space because that's unused dollars. So I think 
if you think about the surly concept in the same manner of, okay, now we've got, let's say 500 square feet or 5,000 or 15,000 square feet that are open. What is the best way uh, for us to get, uh, you know, profit margin revenue per square footage? I have to think of a 15 by 15 enclosed recording studio for just us is the best option. I mean, think about it. you, you, you put in money yeah. that way and then we talk and then our 15, 20 people who are listening, uh, come back into Surly. It, it, they're paying themselves basically. I mean, it's, it's the biggest no brainer. I mean, you got to do it. So that's probably the pitch I would give to and, Omar if but, I was in front of him. Stu, I hope you're writing all this. You're writing all this down, right? Stu, like this is, yeah, um, I, you can hear me spinning scribbling. gold here. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. I can hear you comically fake and air scribbling in before the air. You, before you say no, <laughs> Stu, when, yeah. when we talk about dollars per square foot, just remember that I can't actually order the hog frites unless I'm at the brewery. This is true. And if, if you think about the number fact. that I'll probably order, yep, it's at least yep. a break-even proposition. Uh, well, we know that our parents that listen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You got to get the parents in because. You know they pay for you other people, the and in. if they're they, you know, parents are 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 known to have high loyalty, which is a huge play probably for Surly. I'm I'm probably getting too technical. The point is, build a studio for us, please, and parking spaces. We need parking spaces. John, back me up. That's obvious, right? right? Yep. That's I'm tired that's of parking sure. in St. Paul and having to walk. That <laughs> just oh, walks from yeah. home. He lives in Lake Elmo. Poor guy. <laughs> well, I don't I'll know see, what the point I'll of that whole bit was. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Um, okay, so we talked dad life. Mm-hmm. Oh, the only other dad life we wanted to talk about was John. John, how's your dad life going? Let's hear about it. <laughs> well, like I said, my 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 dad life involves a a child who is. Mostly angry unless someone is holding her hand and walking her around the room. If she's not doing that, she's probably crying because she's figured out that she can cry now. And sometimes it means that people will do what she wants. And so in in the tradition of dictators everywhere, she's started trying to manipulate us through repeated crying to make us walk her around. And so I'm getting sort of equal enjoyment in out of giving in and also telling her no and then explaining to her why I'm saying no. Like, you're nine months old. You have no idea what you're talking about. You got distracted by a car ten seconds ago and you forgot to cry. I know that nothing's wrong right now. You're very bad at this, <laughs> et cetera, and so on. Shaming her, right. I guess, is what I'm saying. That's the correct parenting very move, important. right? It's a very Ver- underrated Verbally shaming your so, children. You said that she's nine months now? Yep. That's a good age. I feel like that's sort of a transition age where you can start getting her into like a better car seat and giving her some actual food peppered in a little bit here and there. That's about around that right. time. And they usually are sleeping better, right? Is she sleeping okay? Yeah, she she has always slept well. So I really, Stu always talks about being awake all night, but we really have been quite lucky and we we've done a lot of... Uh, planning and trying to get her to sleep on a schedule that's worked pretty well. So we've been lucky in that regard that we haven't been just completely exhausted the the whole nine months. But now 
I, I feel like we are sort of in a little bit of a sweet spot in that she doesn't move around on her own yet, so it is possible to sit her down with some toys on a blanket or something like that, and you can leave the room and not worry that when you come back she'll have figured out how to get a samurai sword and is just waving it around or something like that. It's so a very common thing that's, with kids, that's so enjoy nice. it. From, yeah. Yeah. From from what I from talking to other parents, it is a little bit of a sweet spot right now. Before she's crawling or walking or can move around on her own and pull things down on her head, but she's also old enough to play by herself. So, yeah, that is a good time for sure. But you're right; you're getting on the cusp of the needing to pay attention to your kid and know there's love supported. Blah blah blah. But then also trying to let them be self sufficient and not spoiling them. And that's the hardest right. thing for us adult parents in the 21st century that I, you know, obviously no one has really figured out exactly that sweet spot yet. I mean, parents have, but just like from a generation perspective, kids went from being like completely ignored and felt like they were ignored. And then they grew up and became parents are like, I'm going to give my kid everything and I'm going to be around all the time. And those kids are like, well, I, I don't know how to handle the real world anymore because my I had to actually interview for a job. And so it's my right. mom wasn't just, it, yeah, I can't just get money from my mom anymore. This is very weird and confusing to me. So that sweet spot is hopefully what our generation will somehow get to. But it's really hard when you have the means to like pay attention to your kid to like purposely not to try to, you know, to not spoil them that way. It's uh, we think of right. spoiling in in historical or in just general purposes of like giving them things and clothes and toys and whatever else, but there's also spoiling them with in terms of just giving them what they want and time time and attention and and uh, all that sort of stuff too. So that to me is the big battle for for us, a fair you know employed parents who are healthy and well you know whatever doing okay. So I. I I haven't cracked the the code yet, but it's it's a tough one. If you do, please write a book or at least write it down for me so that I can I can see the answers. It'd be nice to have an answer key. I know that. Yeah. The, yeah. I feel like the it's, problem I run into is is that it's always always easier to just give in. Be of like, course, listen, it's I, always easier. I, I want to yep. be I want to be a good parent and I want you to you know, to learn what what, that you're not always going to get what you want, but if I do do what you want, you'll stop crying right now. And that's not what I, I... I would like you to stop crying, although I don't want to walk you around the room for the 400th time because my back is aching. But at the same time, I just can't stand to listen to you cry anymore. So trying to walk that line is difficult, and from all the parents I talk to, it doesn't get any easier from now on, up to and including, I'm sure... Stu can vouch that that's also true when they're in high school. Very true. Well, I think the hard thing for me so, is, and I probably have talked about this a bunch of times on the on the podcast, but the super, super challenging time is when your kid wants to do something that's that's good for them. You still have to at times, like if you're, like there are times when my kids want me to go downstairs and play with them, right? Like, hey, can we go play? Well, I that's usually a great thing. Like a good dad would go downstairs and play on our little, you know, mini basketball 
set, but I do that every single day, all the time. Every time they say, get up and play with me, I'm like, my natural state is to jump up and follow them and do whatever they tell me to do. It's hard to think maybe I'm. it'd be better for me as a dad to say, no, you guys go downstairs and play by yourselves and be self-sufficient and learn how to like work out problems and fights and whatever on your own. It's hard to get over that hump of like, uh, no, I'm going to ignore my kids for their own good. You know, because that yep. was not a thing when we were kids that if you ever said that to your dad, uh, you know, if you, you'd want, you would have wanted and begged and, you know, asked him to, to do that with you. So that's a hard thing for me to, a hard concept for me to understand. Right. Again, towing that line of when am I being a good dad and when am I just like doing whatever you tell me to do at all times and giving you so much attention that you don't <laughs> understand how to resolve conflicts or even even base more basic than that of just like play with like you two play together like that's you know so that's really yep. that's really difficult and that'll you know that'll come in the future for you but it's just very it's an odd thing because it's probably the same as parenting that's that's happened in throughout time of hey the stuff that my parents had to deal with that i witnessed that's not a thing anymore it's just times have changed like crazy so that little part is a little bit more challenging mentally than i that i expected it to be as a as a parent hey and the i run into things like you, you're not supposed to let your kid watch screens at all so i want her i want her to be good about reading and stuff like that but stuff stuff that i would have around the house for reading material now like magazines or newspapers that's not going to exist in 10 years it's all going to be no. tablets and screens and that kind of thing so and i spend a significant not only at work but with mobile devices and stuff i look at screens all the time so how mm-hmm. am i going to convince this child that what she really needs to do is to go to the library and pick up a book when <laughs> by the time she's 15 books won't exist anymore no, you're you're asking the wrong guy because I I think that we tend to demonize the new media to a crazy degree, and then it just sort of becomes part of our lives or whatever. Like TV used to be the thing, like oh, don't watch too much TV, and then it was like, well, I mean, what if they're watching Sesame Street where they're learning stuff, or what if they're, I mean, C-SPAN is TV or like documentaries or whatever. Like, so it's not a categorical everything on TV is bad. It's how much time you spend doing it and what you're watching. And then it was the same thing with like video games, right? All video games are terrible. Yep. And then I was like, well, if you do it for a little bit, it's kind of a fun, entertaining way to bond with your kids. So maybe not all video games are bad, just some of them. And I see the same thing happening with screens and phones and tablets and everything else where it's like, uh, Hey, you shouldn't be on your phone. And then the counter is like, well, I'm banking on my, can I, can I bank? I'm, you know, or I'm looking up the weather or whatever. So it's not all terrible. So, I don't yeah. feel too bad about screens and all that sort of stuff. Depend, just making sure it's obviously not all day and it's not the wrong shit. I mean, our our youngest kid Fitz is two right now, and he's had a tablet for about a year. And a lot of the stuff that he does, just because it's his age, is like coloring. I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take a screen yeah. away from a kid when he's coloring. It's like he's learning. He's learning the colors. That's a pretty cool thing to have. So, and even beyond the right. learning aspect of it, man, like 
I get home from work all day and I need a little bit of time to just like veg out and do nothing. And I have like a fully formed grown up brain. Our kids go to, you know, Jones in particular goes to like a school. He's, it's preschool, but it's in a school. Like he needs some time to just chill and do nothing. And I don't, I don't want to have him come home and continue to like work on flashcards so he can count higher. It just, it just seems like there's a limit to that sort of stuff. So I'm way much more like right. understanding for that sort of stuff, but maybe we're weirdos. You never know as a parent, right? Like you'd never really under, you know, you talk to parents and try to get some sort of sense of what's right and wrong, but you never really know. I don't know. Maybe I'm a bad parent. All I know for sure possible. is you try to do your best, and then one day they walk into the living room with a graduation going on, and, and it's all over. <laughs> and and then it's all over. You're crying while you're on a podcast. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, if I could uh, close the uh, podcast with um, Please. Do you guys know there are, be- Please, there are Beetlejuice-themed bars in America? <laughs> I'm sorry. What did you just say to me? There are Beetlejuice, <laughs> the movie... Themed bar. They're called Beetle Houses. There's one in New York and one in Los Angeles. Um, here's the Amazon review of the Los Angeles Beetlejuice Bar, which is called Beetle House. <clears throat> From uh, George Montoya, he gives it one star. Beetlejuice drank from our alcoholic beverages without even asking us. The waitress was awesome, brought us a new one, but Beetlejuice continued to spit it, spit all over our drinks and all over the table. Definitely will not be dining here again, regardless of how much I love Tim Burton and his films. Um, so George Montoya will not be going back to the Beetle House bar in Los Angeles because Beetlejuice kept drinking his drinks and spitting on him. So Jesus. Uh, a waitress. I just wanted to add some Poor waitress. levity to, to Yeah, she brought him the drinks back, but Beetlejuice kept just being Beetlejuice. So. Oh, man. Just, well, yeah, that I mean, 10 seconds was way more interesting than our half an hour conversation about parenting. So thank you for bringing so it just, back. Uh, I don't, no problem. I don't want to shame you, Stu, but I think you've probably reached the end of the internet. <laughs> you might want to go ahead and close <laughs> it down. Just... Uh, it just uh, popped up. It popped up on Twitter um, earlier tonight. I, I wow. definitely had that bookmarked because I figured I might want to save that because one, there's Beetlejuice themed bars now, and uh, wow. two, uh, at least at least one patron had a bad experience. So, right, George Montoya. Mm-hmm. George Montoya, we Poor feel George. your pain, brother. Uh, thanks for weighing in, buddy. Well, that was uh, that was a lot of dad life. That was good. I enjoyed it. John, did that did that feel better? We actually did like a group therapy session today, not even a jokey one. I do feel better. I got to yell about Gary Bettman for twenty five straight minutes, and then we talked about kids. So I'm feeling good. This is this is the intersection of the sport. This is where the sports dads live. This is our <laughs> this is our house. <laughs> Oh man, that is very good. Okay, cool. Well, let's uh, let's. Should we end the conference call? Yeah, uh, we got another meeting coming up, so I got to okay. get over there. Another meeting. Okay. Yeah, I got I got to dial okay, let's put back a, in. We're gonna. Okay, we'll, let's uh, let's yeah. put a pin in this, and we'll uh, double back on it tomorrow. Uh, we'll oh. get the uh, we'll, we'll get the stakeholders in here, um, oh. and uh, put a pin in it. 
Uh, we, we can maybe loop in uh, loop in uh, it. No, uh, no, no. You got to loop in mm. Jerry. Jerry knows what's up. No, he's a stakeholder. So we're gonna loop him in. I have uh, some. We got the pin, I have some takeaways. Pin put in. Then I'm gonna take the takeaways offline, and then we will circle back next week and review. Oh, the got, next yeah, we gotta circle and back. Make sure we're hitting our deadlines. Yeah, we'll circle back. Exactly. Circle back, and I'll, and I'll add the deadlines uh, sets, to the pivot tables. Sets uh, set some goals. Set some stretch goals. Uh, circle back. We'll put the pin <laughs> in the circle back, and uh, we'll get uh, maybe. Uh, yeah, we'll get that taken care of. Okay. Sounds uh, good. Sounds good. Okay, everybody. Alrighty. We'll we'll talk to you next week. Goodbye. Good night, everyone. Bye bye. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market